from world events to finances to feeding the 5,000 to the confusion of the authority of Jesus in biblical times. Man, we run the gambit this episode. Strap in. Hold on tight, folks. It's going to be a good ride. Welcome to the Truth Response. The Truth Response. So what are we talking about? Current events? I'm tired of current events. Somebody tried, to, somebody tried to tell me today that the next thing that's going to happen with Russia is that they're going to try to ha- hack our banking. They already did that. Yeah, they've already tried. Didn't they? They already, they already tried. They've, they're always trying. Right. That's not <laughs> successful. You know why? Because... I mean, people are better than they've that. Are, they've, already <laughs> hacked, they've already hacked our elections, right? <laughs> right. And right. They've, they've done that successfully. And we now they know that shut that's down that, true. that gas pipeline. We know it's true now that, that they, they hacked our elections because right. the party that supports them is in office. So. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm wow. to love you people. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> because uh, I grew up in a time where we didn't really care for the Russians at all. So, oh, the Soviets. We have yeah. to be so, delineate that. The conversation that happened last week about mm-hmm. the mutually assured destruction that was on the podcast, right? We we talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got okay. it. Yeah. So, um, I had that conversation yesterday and today with people. Two times. And and they're both like older cats, right? Like, not. I mean, older than me. I mean, they they were around for that cold era cold war era mm-hmm. and it's like but like i understand if if you don't have nukes and i have nukes and you make me angry you're in trouble but if we both have nukes nobody's going to be dumb enough to push that button and the only mm-hmm. countries that are dumb enough the whole rest of the world is going to be like eh, nope you know like and and that country will be targeted it's not like we're going to just target all countries you know I think you're right. Like I don't. Nu- I think it's just gonna be there. Some there's gonna have to be some Yahoo like like King Kim Jong Un like he'd right. be one that would do that. But oh, no, but no, it's gonna targeted. be his sister because his sister's probably they're they're thinking that his sister's gonna take over and be even worse oh, than King he is. King Chang Un. I just made that up. Okay. <laughs> um, but like I think that a nuclear like obviously it would be a tragedy like of epic proportions, but I think that like a nuclear warhead itself is the wrong way to attack america don't you e- think emp yeah like that's it <laughs> that is so you stole that seriously from had this conversation recently we did and that's not fair uh, uh, i'm just listening go right ahead oh and he was like who's gonna no, survive i was like the appalachian people <laughs> yeah if, if, if florida man if you want to get to america EMP. Yeah. Create so an how, EMP bomb that takes out all of everything. Yeah. But we already have an EMP and, bomb in, within a nuclear. Right. You do, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, but I think they... You will, you will hurt yourself if you do that where you need to. So, like, in order to, like, EMP a large area, mm-hmm. you'd have to detonate it in the atmosphere. Correct. Right. And the fallout from that... Well, wait a minute. What is fallout, though? Like radiation. Right, but right. radiation trapped in dust and debris from the nuclear explosion. So if you detonate a nuclear bomb within the atmosphere, there's no real fallout. But how do we know that? Have we tried that? Yeah. 
They've done. I mean, we we've, we've been blowing up bombs in the desert for years yeah. before the ban. Right Gen- in the desert. Giant dustbusters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. Sponsored by Dyson. <laughs> this this <laughs> nuclear warhead is sponsored by Dyson. <laughs> no, I mean, but that's when you what think life out. suck. We'll show you we can make it suck worse. That's right. But that's what Fallout is. Fallout is the dust, the radiated the dust and debris you. and crapola that gets blown so, into the atmosphere and then travels. So, so when you blow up a bomb so, in the atmosphere, the only fallout would be dust and whatever is in the atmosphere to carry that radiation. Radiation cannot be carried all on its own. It's just energy. You learn something new every day. I know, of course, I'm an amateur, and I could be completely wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> but if he is, please email us. Exactly. <laughs> but that's the way I understand it to work. Title your email, Mark's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Subject line, yeah. Mark's Subject wrong. Line. Exclamation point. You can do it all in caps, too. We prefer that. So on the lines of, on, of nuclear, right? Nuclear. Energy source. Nuclear. Right? We were talking about this at lunch today, and the fact that, like, all of these 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 places where everyone's saying, "Oh, but look at look at this place and look at that place that failed um, with their nuclear power plants and stuff like that," like they're all put right in like tsunami area and and where hurricanes could hit or you know earthquakes. The one where was it? Japan. So, Japan. Yeah. Right on Fukushima. a fault. Like, and we've got plenty of them in the united states mm-hmm. i say plenty of them i know of two for sure mm-hmm. uh, missouri for sure. and arkansas have both have one mm-hmm. um and have you haven't one. heard any problems come out of those you know like i don't know well it, but think about it okay so nuclear energy um anytime there was an accident there was a outside situation that mm-hmm. caused that accident right mm-hmm. yeah. nuclear energy in and of itself is very safe mm-hmm. um it, the, the, one of the bigger problems is the waste that you got to deal with afterwards. Uh, At this point, it's really minimal, though. We ship it yeah, to the moon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Elon's working on a, on a way to get it to the moon. So what okay. do you do when the moon's full? You know, I mean, then the, you ship it to Mars. We can't live on any of these places. Like, <laughs> it's not like there's nothing living on these planets. You know right where now. we could send it? I mean, okay, that we know of. You right? know, you like, know where we could? We could send it to Uranus. <laughs> oh, oh, I went there. Oh my goodness! Because we know no, we know like... nothing lives on Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Uranus. <laughs> no, it was brought to you by Middle School Boy Brain. <laughs> <laughs> and the so, number two. And the number two. So, yeah. So the the. the <laughs> And, and that's part of the reason why Europe is now in the trouble that they're in with, uh, you know, banning Russian oil and that kind of thing is because they have gone away from nuclear energy because it wasn't green. Uh, went green, but still had import to import large amounts of Russian oil in to support the green energy. And by the way, I'm air quoting. And uh, now that that's gone, they can't go back to, you know, they can't really restart these these nuclear power plants because they've dismantled them. So now they're and uh, they're going to be in a world of hurt. This is going to be a very, very tough year over in Europe. Going to be very tough. Um, 
you know, I was just riding in this morning, and um, now they're in. They're talking about wheat shortages because uh, there's a large amount of wheat that comes out of Russia and Ukraine that supports that whole area. They're going. There's going to be a lot of hurt over there. Africa too, right? Mm, yeah. I don't. I don't I know too much about, about Africa. Or it's possible, but I don't, I don't know too much about it. Hmm. But uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of hurt. Yeah. A lot of, um, and we're going to feel it too for sure. Mm. This is a you know. The, everybody keeps talking about oh gas is going down you know we're, we're seeing no this is just a temporary blip in the radar mm-hmm. hold on to your hat well hold on to your hats mm-hmm. and your wallets because it's going to be it's going to be painful i heard i heard when i heard Sorry the same there. story yeah. I, I had heard that um the world only has 90 days worth of food supply at any one point in time like to support the whole world for 90 days uh, yeah, I, I can't something like that i can't talk to them. i mean not counting preppers obviously but they were talking about that <laughs> like and the fact that it's like over 15 percent of our our food so you mean if the wheat if, from yeah you know, yeah yeah, yeah. So, now wheat. that i've heard but i mean you're talking about if the food production stopped today if everything stopped today there's 90 there's days 90 days worth of food okay i mean obviously you'd ration it but with the consumption rate as it is mm-hmm. um there's there's 90 days. i mean when you think about it that's a lot yeah Sure, that's, that's like three months. if it's enough. Yeah, if there's enough for everybody, and you could probably stretch that to six, nine, maybe a year if you're really rationed right yeah. and doing things healthily. But I mean, seems like a lot. I mean, I know that like it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot. Hmm. There's eight billion people on on Earth, right? And you can feed eight billion people. What? We don't effectively do that right now. Right. Because there's a lot of greed in, right. in the world. Right. So. Yeah, it's because we... A lot of places don't have resources. We want to, we want to pay for the shot, yeah. right? Yeah. An extra time. Yeah. Whatever. yeah. Whether you believe in it or not. I mean, the flu we, shot, right? Like, we, would, oh, we the pay flu. for the flu <laughs> shot. You know, you've got to pay for the flu shot half the time. Hmm. And that depends on your insurance. Yeah. Some insurances cover it. But like a walk-in, you know... No insurance. It's like twenty five bucks or something like that to pay for a flu shot or something. Like, we don't need the government to keep paying for everything with money that they don't have. If they're gonna do that, why don't we feed people who are starving? Hmm. Like, why don't we pay for malaria medication for countries that can't get it? It's thirty seven cents for one cure of a, a malaria, you know, disease. <clears throat> so like to create it, to manufacture it. So like. Why don't we do those kinds of things? Because mm. like, let's pay for the shot. You, you I mean, just, if you want to get the shot, and you know what I'm talking about, you know the shot I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, if you want to pay for the shot, sweet, pay for it. But like, why don't why don't we have our government? If they're gonna just print money, why don't we actually do something worthwhile with it? And because that doesn't win votes. Nope. I mean, really? I, know, I understand. Come, I understand yeah, that. just just break but, it down <laughs> to the very the the reason why is because those things don't win votes like if we're going to print money that money has to go in the hands of a voter in order for that person to vote for that person like to vote for that candidate right i mean that's that's just inevitably and invariably the way that our government works right now and that's the heart of our culture i mean really it is see like i think that i think that with the way that people get all up in arms over every single possible thing these days right like the the different tragedies of everything and anything can be a tragedy like 
if somebody came into office and said, look, or was running for office and said, look, I've got an effective plan to solve world hunger, people, people would listen. I'd begin to think Nikolai Carpathia. That's what I was thinking. Just to go back to last week's episode, <laughs> but talking again, about you're left an, behind. You're you're almost outside of that that category, though. Yeah. You're an elder millennial, yeah, and you're older than an elder millennial. You're Gen X, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's an X. I would say you can tell by his hair. Hey, man! <laughs> <laughs> I changed my hairstyle. Hey, he didn't call you color, color, okay. color, cut. <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> oh. Well, hey, I'm done. I'm because half Gen Xers have like hair to their butts still. So I used to. (laughs) (laughs) Then they drive motorcycles. Was going to be the second thing. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of those. I don't know. I just think that that the younger generations care more about that stuff anymore these days than. I mean, as long as you're not. You know, long, up in arms about calling them homosexual they, or what? You know what I mean? Like, as long as that's not being attacked or I think, it's not a white guy that's saying it, then then it's. I think they care more, but they, in a way, but like if it affects them and their lifestyle, then they don't care anymore. Right. If it's something Maybe. that they who's, have to do to change. Who's they? We're talking like younger generation. Oh, like okay. my gotcha. generation. Y's and yeah. Y's gotcha. and X. Gotcha. Or not your ex. Y's and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Z? Z yeah. and Alpha. And oh, there's an Alpha now? That's that's like your kids. Oh. Like Heck, heck if they're Alphas, <laughs> I'm going to show them. The youngest is an Alpha. Yeah. And maybe by his day, he will be an Alpha. Yeah, hopefully. But I could see him running around as a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not like too far son of Tarzan. outside of the realm of possibility <laughs> with that child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're right with that. That well, lifestyle so- drives so much of... of uh, and, and I think that's across the board, too. Lifestyle drives so much of the decision-making that we have. And, I mean, that can evidence itself through many generations i'm just like allowing them all to tick through my my mind right now and you go back to like the the greatest generation and the baby boomers and you think about the the lives the lives that they lived or were forced to live because of the state of the world mm-hmm. and the economic state of things and you see how you see what developed out of those eras mm-hmm. and then you see when you step into Gen X, you see that there was a lot more stability. I mean, regardless of uh, like Vietnam and, and things like that, like I, I guess Vietnam was in our era. That was before, yeah, that was yeah. before. So Vietnam is what led into the Gen X era. Correct. So you had a lot of people who were already who were in that situation who saw their parents and what they endured through World War II. And they didn't want that. So that's where you begin to see protests and you, you begin to see some rebellion. And then that spirit is what came alive in Gen X because they saw their parents sharing that same mindset. And then I think it just started to snowball into this development of 
um, of this is the way I want to live as opposed to this is the way I have to live. And, and we've been given a lot of that freedom in America to be I, able to make those decisions. Well, I think one thing with the, the later generations, you know, YZ, mm-hmm. uh, Alpha, they have not lived through any kind of really kind of any kind of conflict. Okay. Yeah, that's There's, true. There hasn't been a real true outbreak of conflict or war mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the way up until now. Mm-hmm. So now Since this when? is... When was the last time? What are you, what was the last time you're talking about? Uh I would have to say it was the last incursion into Iraq was our last major conflict. So you're not talking after, about why. After 2000, 2001. Right. right. You're not talking about why then. You're then I'm not talking about, about why. You're talking right. about Z. But even, a, even the Y generation, right, that was a blip in the radar for them. You know, they mm-hmm. weren't really paying attention to that. I would disagree. Like, and, and here's why. I was in seventh grade. I didn't know what was going on until after that, right? And then that kind of woke me up to what what things were happening in the world. You were in seventh grade when the, the Iraq war, when we were talking about the second incursion to the Iraq that war. Was, so that was, well, that was 2001, I was in seventh grade. So when 9-11 happened, I was in seventh grade. So September of 2001. So that was, Af- that, that was Afghanistan. That was Afghanistan. Right, right. Not, not the second incursion in Iraq. Afghanistan, okay, so seventh grade. Did you really care about what was going on? I did because, well, it affected me personally because of my dad. His dad's a fireman. My dad was a paramedic, firefighter. We were all afraid that he was going to have to go or a bunch of them were going to have to go to New York. Uh, We didn't know what was going on or what was happening. So Right there. Stop. Right there. You didn't know what was happening or what was going on. Right. That's my point is that how how can you, you, you're not seeing the scope at, in, when, in seventh grade. Now, I get it. It was a personal situation. Well, nobody knew well, what was going on. No, I, I, I get it. It was a personal situation with your father. Sure, and, sure, it, sure. And, and for you, personally, right. it had some meaning and it had some, some, some teeth to it. I'm talking about your entire generation. That entire mm-hmm. generation that was there in the seventh grade, that entire generation really you know, knew half, something was happening but didn't understand the scope. Half of that generation's older than me, though. I'm right Yeah, in the but I mean, I mean, still, how, it worked out. Is older so uh, how many years separate you two i was so two three years but again four se- years. Uh, so seventh grade Five that years. puts you at what 88 but nobody three knew years. what was going on with my point <laughs> nobody knew what was happening whenever it actually happened but as a guy who was who was uh 88 so i was uh, just graduated high school was getting into uh you graduated high get- school in 88 no i graduated oh. in 87 okay. <laughs> sorry just coming out of high school, getting into tech school, sure. trying to get all that laid out. Now I'm thinking I'm going to be drafted. Mm-hmm. Do you see that the scope of the, the, the difference sure. in the scopes yeah, that yeah, I'm no, talking I about? That. I get that. So that's what I'm saying is that the, the generation that came, that came in behind me really has not been had a conflict in their face, something that was affecting them directly. It affected your parents, and I totally get that. Um, and but, but it was it was a it did affect us because we were all signing up. Mm-hmm. Everybody just everybody wanted to join the military. At, wait they a were turning people but, but wait away. But no, I understand that. But that wasn't your generation. If you're telling me that in '88 you were, that was my. Generation. It was. Yeah, I mean, yes. so I was I was 16, 17 when it happened. So I was a junior in high school okay. when this happened. I mean, and I I am the oldest millennial that you can. You were born say. in '80. 
I was okay. I'm almost. I was born in '85. 1980 is when the cutoff. 80, they, they tell you there's a sub a sub generation that exists in there as well between X and millennial, and it goes from '80 80 to '87. Mm-hmm. So um, just before and it's you. It's called elder millennial. And it's, it's called millennial. It's called zillennial. Oh, All right. No. It's, yes. It's, no. It's, it is. It's Look it up. Google it's that millennial. crap. Google ain't lie. You can't keep adding stuff. Right? I'm not adding stuff. I'm not. I'm being for real. <laughs> Anyways, continue with your point. Oh, so. So for, for, for my crew, like, right. I was also in Pennsylvania. So I was two and a half hours from New York City. Like, you could almost see the smoke from where I lived. And there were constant crews going out. And I was at that age. Like, within a year or two, I was going to be 18. And um, I had buddies that were a couple years older than me. And, I mean, they marched right down to the recruiting center and signed up. I, my brother-in-law okay. was in the military. So, so I saw that. Like, there was this um, there was this horrible gasp. And then there was the reaction of, you know, the Toby Keith reaction, right? The I'm going to put a boot up your, your Yahoo, your anus, your anus, <laughs> that right? Didn't, that didn't yeah. stop until our generation closed. I mean, maybe the younger part um, yeah. of the generation. I mean, I, I would like, give that. I would give that a few years. I mean, so we're that's two thousand one. I I think before, I would give that until two thousand ten. Okay. There yeah, was yeah. there was a good a prompting and and push for. There was a feel for that patriotic. Yeah. We're gonna go to war. We're gonna sign up. We're gonna fight uh, all of these terrorists and the Taliban and all of that. We we felt that part of it. I mean. I might have been too young to actually be drafted at that point, mm. but but it was the same feeling that was that patriotic push mm-hmm. towards things. And I remember that the you know I had to go down when I was eighteen and fill out the paper so that I could be drafted. You know, they so brought that to our schools. My my dad my dad <laughs> made that school. my dad made that a huge deal. He In said, "You make sure on your 18th birthday you're down there and yeah. signing the paper." And I was like, "Okay." He's like, "No, you make sure." I was like, "Okay." Yeah. I didn't know this yeah. is a big deal, but okay, yeah. I will. No, they, they actually probably came into a class and was, was handing them out. Wow. And I was just like, "Here, sign here." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they brought them to our school mm-hmm. too. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so. Okay, so I will I will give you that I, there has been conflict. I do give you that though. Like I mean, it was I feel like it was it was a it was a loud cry for a short time. Right. It was it was a five yeah. Ks worth effort. Right. Where when you go through the when you go through Vietnam and Korea and World War Two and World War One like. It was a global effort, and yeah. I mean that was that was what you were placing everything on. I mean that was where time and effort and energy was being invested, um, and and I don't think that lasted very long in this generation because news traveled a lot quicker, and um, it was a lot easier to get distracted mm. than it was 30 years before that and 60 years. And 190 years right. before that, like you go, you go back inherent generations, and you find that with this generation being the most highly connected generation ever in the history of the world, um, I think that plays a very substantial role in in the differences. You were getting a message of America first. We're under attack. They're the enemy, and now the message is, oh, like. There are other people who believe other things, and 
we aren't inherently right. And I mean, it's brought up this whole push for like depatriotizing America. I mean, know? that was something that absolutely blew me away was um, when I was told that um, because I have the things that I have, you mm -hmm. know, and, and the job that I have that I was privileged. Uh, you want to talk about somebody that absolutely lost their mind when, so, when I was told that mm -hmm. by somebody who was, you know, way younger than I was. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I lost, I lost my mind. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was like, you have no idea mm -hmm. what I went through to get here, mm -hmm. you know. So don't mm -hmm. tell me I'm privileged. I worked my can off all the way up to now um, to do and have the things that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, I get it, man. I mean, like, I mean, it was just like, ah, I came from a place like that, too, where I'm obviously younger than you are. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't get where I got to when I was at the pinnacle of my career, um, when I was working in the, the secular space. I didn't get there because of the color of my skin. I got there because of my work ethic, yeah. showing up 15 minutes early, staying an hour late you know, being the first guy that will volunteer to come in and to stay and, and to do my job well, like that, that was it. Like yeah. it was, it was the sweat on my brow that got me to where and, I, I and was. The, uh, and the, uh, the other half of that was, uh, you know, just being able be, being willing to go outside of work and train myself mm -hmm. on how to do something. Um, and I don't, you know, you, Okay, so I'm going to sound like the old guy because I am, but um, I don't out, see that your anymore. encyclopedia. I do not see that anymore in in uh, people who are coming up through the workforce now. Mm. There's it's very rare to find you know uh, a twenty something who's willing to go outside the box and and educate themselves on the craft that or the job they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Now, um, my scope is very limited. I think because goals are goals <clears throat> have changed. Yeah, I think like so. your your generation's goal was to put away a pension and retire and move to Florida, and you just so, yeah, partly a lot of it. Of no, I mean to be honest with you, it, when I was coming up, there was a lot of greed. That's why we at this generation, uh, my, Generation X, mm -hmm. has a lot of issues with credit. We mm -hmm. are we are we get into a lot of trouble with mm -hmm. the credit because when we were coming up, credit cards were brand new and mm -hmm. you know the the that was a brand new thing and hey you know I can go out and buy something and pay for it later that's a concept mm -hmm. um, you know it was around for houses and that kind of thing mm -hmm. and, and people did it all the time when they were talking about major major purchases mm -hmm. but to go out and you know swipe for an outfit. Yeah. And pay for it later oh there that's something new. Well you just brought up a really profound point then. I mean, I don't know if it's profound, but you've got a generation then who abused credit. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you see that you saw the market fall out in 2009. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I know there were some banking things that went into that. But the banking uh, issue of allowing credit where credit wasn't necessarily due has caused the next generation to to feel the weight of not getting approval, not being able to extend that line of credit right. and needing to rely more on, on liquid asset uh, in cash in order to make things in their life happen, uh, with the exception of college or any of those kind of things, which is now 
just a weird spot for for uh, for things as well. So I don't know my kids' finances. They're all grown and, and you know, mm-hmm. family and married off. I don't know their finances, but I can tell you from the outside looking in, it looks like the generation behind me is much more able to handle credit and finances mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. than than <coughs> my generation. I'd like to weigh in on this now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been quiet. I've been quiet. Um, I completely disagree. Uh, <laughs> I, with what part? Wait, are we Here, surprised at, are we surprised all, at right? this? Like, no, I mean, I'm the disagree guy, right? Um, yeah. So, or I'm the right guy, anyways. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> no, okay, so here, here is what, to your point, right, with the credit. Bring and, it. And, and, and all that. Um, people, I, I see people all the time coming through the pantry that are our age, mm-hmm. that are not Gen Xers, that are millennials, and most of the time they drive big cars, brand mm-hmm. new, Right, mm-hmm. the half the time when when we were going when we were going through our uh, Habitat for Humanity stuff, and we had to talk to a financial advisor budget person, mm-hmm. she said that one of the people, and it's a normal thing that she gets, but one of the people that she had was spending five hundred dollars a month at Dunkin' Donuts, right? Like they're not being wise because they're having to come because they can't eat. They can't feed themselves See, but because... What makes because that even that. more profound is that the Dunkin' Donuts here in Lehigh sucks. typically don't even have do- donuts. Right, right. Oh, <laughs> for sure. I thought you meant socks. But, <laughs> but, but wait a minute. I think you, the, but, problem with your, the problem with your argument is that you're becoming compartmentalized. You're seeing just a small sect of the no. entire population. Not, not of, you're saying that the generation after you, that's us. Right. Our generation is living outside of their means almost 100%. No, I didn't. That's not what I said. That's absolutely not what no, I said. No, he said the opposite. I'm saying we are living outside oh, of our saying that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. almost 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, that's because ev- I, everybody I look around, I mean, some of them are Gen X, right? Like, I see that too, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of that Gen X to elder millennial or even younger, right? Millennial just in- encompassing. They have quit parenting. There's been some of that. And oh, it's fallen it. on the, the – and it could be the older Gen Xers, but – it's fallen on the grandparents to mm-hmm. now raise the kids and they don't have the funds. Like, I see that too, right? But but there's people constantly being like, well, I don't have enough money for this. But then you turn around and see them and they've got three car payments, right? Mm-hmm. Because they had to have the biggest and best. Mm-hmm. They've got, and, and these are people my age too, mm-hmm. like that, that they've got to have a house that they can't afford. They've got to have a Starbucks you know, every other day or every day. Mm-hmm. Like, we have not had combined over $50,000 that we have made combined in since we've been married. In a year, yeah. In a year. We have not made over $50,000 in a single year combined. Hmm. Okay. And we we have a credit score that is over 800. It's like 815, right? Late 17, I think, is what it is now. Um, I have... I've, they keep wanting to extend my credit and all of the credit cards that I have, and I barely use them. Um, we finally we had to we had to go through Habitat for Humanity to get a house because we we didn't have that liquid asset up front, right? To to be, we had all the credit in the world, they'd give us all the money they want except for that well, initial payment, stuff yeah. to pay to get into a house. Mm-hmm. And I mean, our savings account is solid. I mean, we've got enough for emergency fund for at least six months, mm-hmm. probably more. Um, so I'm saying like, 
but we're I like the exception, not the rule. Exception, not the rule. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, and so we, are your kids. So congratulations on <laughs> raising your children we well. Working our butts off to buy a used car because we know that we can't afford that brand new car payment, right? right? And so like, that's hey, that's what I'm seeing everybody do. It's not just your generation. It's not. It's not that our generation isn't doing it. It's that it looks a little different than your generation, maybe, but. Our generation is living outside their means just as much as the generations before them. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's it's very evident. I mm-hmm. mean, you you drive around even a place like Lehigh, and I know some of you listening aren't familiar with a place like this, but we're kind of like, we're called the place where people end up in Southwest Florida, mm-hmm. right? You can't afford Naples, you can't afford Bonita, you can't afford Fort Myers, you can't afford Cape Coral, you end up in Lehigh, and you work in all of those other places, right? And you work in all those <laughs> other places, and. And, and I think just looking at the vehicles that most people drive around, I mean, every other vehicle is a, is a brand new jacked up truck, right? Right. And, <laughs> and well, there's no way I'd be able to afford a truck. I wanted yeah, a truck. Yeah. And I, I settled for the CRV because I had some friends that were selling it yeah. enough that I could afford it, you know? Like, I yeah. wanted a truck, though. There's no way I could have afforded it. Or, or it's um, a luxury brand. You know, it's it's an Infiniti or it's a Lexus or it's a BMW, right? I mean, you you see those, like, even in this community, it's like they're a dime a dozen. Cadillac. Right, Cadillac, definitely, right? Because that that even has still that old school symbol of, of Stas, I've made yeah. it, right? And, uh, and and that's what it is. It's it's not because that car is the best car. It's not because that car makes the most sense. It's because I want people to turn their head and say, whoa, when they see me rolling past. And you're right. It's the same people that show up at the food pantry then, um, that show up at our food pantry and then go to the other one down the street and then go to your food pantry and then go to the next one at the other church down the street. Yep. And, and they take advantage of those situations because the creature comforts are more important than the, the necessities, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's okay if I can't buy, if I can't buy the necessities because I don't have to buy the necessities because somebody's going to give them to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, I mean that's I think that's a pretty evident thing that we mm-hmm. that we can see here across the board. And um, you go to any restaurant, just about any any day or night of the week, and it's slammed. Like, and then they're they're hard they're hard up because they can't find people to to work to to be servers. We got a great relationship with a guy that owns a Mexican restaurant in the area, and um, he. Just he hired seven people in the last three weeks. One of them remains. They've all either quit or you know, like this isn't for me. He said the the one girl quit and she sent him a text message the day after her shift. She sent him a text message that said, "I'm not going to show up." And then he's like, "Well, you're a little late for that." And she's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to show up at all ever again." <laughs> like, <laughs> that the it's it's so. Strange. It seems so weird to me because, I mean, I, we I have a pretty good salary, and you know we get some benefits as being pastoral staff, um, you know tax breaks and things like that with housing expenses, and and I still look at my finances and I'm like, you know, we're in a good spot, and just like you, if I lost my job today, I know we'd be okay for the next several months, um, but it's like we can't do a lot of the things that we see other people doing 
just because we're unwilling to to mortgage our future and our children mm-hmm. um and it's it's weird I yeah guess. yeah because like i've been i'm i've never had a credit card that's just been in my name yeah like in my entire life hmm. right hers is Lauren, <laughs> she's got credits because of the she rented a house uh, rent or apartment, apartment, yeah, uh, in Topeka, and then she's under mine. And student student loans. I can't even tell you how many times I've gotten into credit card disaster mode and and, and come back out and gone back in and gone yeah. back out and come back in. It's yeah. it's and all like, hat for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, and I'm that's there's very few people my age that can say that. Like well, the yeah, only I credit card I've ever had. Um, was through I was after I got married with him and he put my name on his credit card and just, I wanted her to I'm have a credit sure, card as yeah. an emergency I'm pretty sure it. I still have it somewhere in my wallet and it's expired it. by five Probably years expired. <laughs> um, but there was a girl that I worked with when I first moved down here who had like six credit cards that were maxed as much mm-hmm. as they could possibly be yep. and she was freaking out obviously um, but she would be like calling the organizations that are like, okay, well, we can consolidate this into one payment for you, mm-hmm. and we'll get you this and that. And it's like, man, like, to have that headache, like, I, I don't know, like, I've been why? there. Been there. But, but been there. I don't understand, like, the, I don't understand why people do that. I mean, and that's because I didn't um, grow up that way, right? Like, see- I wasn't raised that way, but I also, like, didn't grow up doing it, right? I didn't, I didn't spend my teens and 20s and whatnot doing spending money on credit cards like crazy like i had one stint of 800 dollars. you know like I, yeah. I mean so yeah been there um i can tell you that a lot of it is you know you want to keep up with the joneses it's yeah. just what you it's just what he was uh what nick was saying um you know you're looking around you're seeing what other people are doing you're like that sounds pretty cool so yeah. you know how, how can i facilitate that all right, well, you know what? I can go over to you know, Chase Financial, fill out an application, get $10,000. Yep. Okay, well, now I've got $10,000 to play with. Boop, take care, uh, go get what the Joneses have, which is never enough, mm-hmm. right? Because once the Joneses see what you have, they're one-upping, mm-hmm. and it's this big cycle of, you know, you know everybody look at me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing you know, you're, 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 you're getting a statement you didn't you realize know. you actually Whoa. spent that much. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the first thing, right? Which is why I don't have a credit card, because exactly. I would have that problem. So, um, no, the, only way that, the only way that I got out of that situation, that I climbed out the last time, and it's for good, um, was I had to really get serious, and I had mm-hmm. to get my wife serious about budgeting and doing the Dave Ramsey thing and that, way, that kind of thing. Dave Ramsey, if you got for anybody who doesn't know, um, is a Christian financial advisor. Um, he is um, where I was on the extreme spend side. He's on the extreme other side of that fence. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I agree with Dave Ramsey about. There's a few things that I don't. I think credit can yeah. be used as a tool. Yeah. Um, um, and if it's used properly, it can be used to do a lot of cool things. Yep. Um, and, you know, sometimes for emergencies, um, I wouldn't advise that, but you can. Uh, but as long as you're doing it correctly, paying off the credit cards at the end of the month, don't live beyond your means and that kind of thing, they're, they're a great tool. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of little benefits and perks to them. When I say emergency, I mean like broke down in the middle of nowhere, have to pay for no, no, a I, I, car change. Right. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I mean. I don't mean like 
hospital. Or no, no, no. I no, I, I totally get what you're yeah, saying. And it's you're not saying. your emergency fund. No, it's just the, right. It's the tool to, it's to the, get hey, you out I of don't the pickle have you're in. The yeah. cash on me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, you know I need I need my tire fixed. My bank's gonna. My bank's gonna flop. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I need my fraud. tire fixed. Here, fix my tire. Yeah. I get that. I, and I've never been through Dave Ramsey. I've heard a lot about it, uh, the program and, and all that. But, like, man, I think it's unrealistic, at least in today's today's society, to be able to buy a house with cash for most people. For mm-hmm. most people. And there's nothing – actually, uh, if, you, if you go through the program, he will say the mortgages are okay. Mm-hmm. He will tell you the mortgages. He wants you to take a 15-year, though. Yeah, he wants you to take a 15 rather than a 30-year. Right. Yeah. Or if you well, got, a got a thirty, yeah. so. <laughs> or, or if you got a thirty year, you you do uh, you double, double your payments. payments. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I've been there, done that, gotten. I've done it more than once. I've had, you know, uh, my wife uh, do it for me. <laughs> Be like, well, you know, you go check the mail. You open up the mail. Hey, this is something new. Holy crap! You know, mm-hmm. we're, yeah. we're twenty thousand dollars in the hole. What? Yeah, I mean, Um, I'd been in that situation a little bit, and it really had to be a complete shift of of what I perceive value in, right? And that's what had to happen because I had a great income when I I worked in communications before this, and um, and we did like it was all right. Mortgage payment as low as possible, so thirty years. The house we bought, our first house, was seventy five thousand dollars. So like. I mean, it's, it's unheard of at this point. Like, you can't even buy a lot down here for $75,000. Nope. So, um, so I was like, all right, let's keep all of our payments as low as possible. That way we can just go do as, as many other things as we into whenever we want to. And it was like, you know, we were, we were eating out four times a week probably. We had, we had two small children at that point. Um, you know, I'm in my early to mid twenties. Casey's in her early to mid twenties. We've got kids in diapers. We we want to go on vacations. We'll go on vacations. We want to have car payments. We so we can have nice cars. We like we did all those things because it was it seemed like it was what we were supposed to do. And, and I'll give you like the the probably the mindset right was um, early twenties. Just bought our house. My dad bought a 55 inch flat screen rear projection TV. And that was like the thing at that point. Like that was incredible. Never seen anybody have like own a TV that big before. And when I walked into his house, we would go to his house for Super Bowl. I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I need that, right? And then that became my objective was I need that, but I need a bigger one. Mm -hmm. So we went out to to the electronics store and they had a 65 inch rear projection. Like, dude, the thing was behemoth because this is rear projection y'all like it was a whole like drive-in movie theater that they just moved into your house so i was like that's that i want that and it was two thousand dollars for a 65 inch rear projection screen tv at that point and I, i didn't know like we're on the verge of led becoming a thing and lcd screen becoming a thing and like thin flat screen all that kind of stuff and I was like, I need, I just need to have that. So we had that when we moved f- probably five, six, seven years beyond that. I couldn't even give it away. Like, or I had to give it away because nobody wanted it. And if I wanted, if I had to dispose of it, they were going to make me pay to take it to the recycle place. So I was like, that is the weird world and cycle that we live in right now. And it's, 
And, and it, I think that's the mentality that most people have is. And while you learn that, uh, that lesson at a, uh, a relatively young age, mm-hmm. it took me to my 40s, 40 something yeah. to really kind of figure it out. And like, you know what? I am just beating my head up against the wall here. Yeah. And that's when we finally got serious and started to turn around. And we're still, you know, until very recently, we we're still digging ourselves out. Yeah. You know? It's just habits. Mm-hmm. It's just habits. When you're used to taking a piece of plastic and buying something and mm-hmm. just doing that on a constant basis, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's ju- it becomes a habit. Yeah. Ah, I can pay it later. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, I can I can you know I can make that happen. Yeah. yeah let me let me go over it in my head. Yep. Yeah. I can make that happen. Yeah. So it's it's just habit, yeah. man, and it's just ugly. It's yeah. you know, it's such a a weight on you know on your shoulders to have to go up and know that you got to go to work every day yep. and then at the end of the at the end of the week when the check hits the hits the bank account it's only there for approximately four to six hours yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's you know, all yeah. gone it's it's kind of crazy that so many people ruin their lives over the pursuit of so much that it, it crumbles them back down to nothing whenever if they just stuck with jesus then he would turn five loaves and two fish into feeding five thousand people whoa that's that's what we want to talk about today oh i got chills (laughs) i got chills (laughs) i got chills they're multiplying (laughs) and i'm losing control because the power he's supplying it's electrifying Mark, edit that part out mark edit that (laughs) don't worry i got it But I, I, you know, um, you bring that up, and I know we're going to segue into what our subject is. It all goes, uh, I'll never forget when, uh, you know, I got, uh, when I started to make the turnaround out of my teenage years, and Mm -hmm. I was starting to get my head back into into where it was supposed to be, into into focusing on Jesus. And the the one pastor that I went to talk to was right after I found out Andrew got pregnant. And I said to him, why isn't there a manual on all of this? And he took a Bible and he threw it in front of me and says, there is. Just open it up. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we're going to get into, I guess, right right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we've been doing the miracles in John's gospel. And um, really interesting thing about this miracle, as in John 6, is that this is the only one of John's miracles that's mentioned in all four Gospels. So there's something substantial that this is going to talk about. Um, and John takes a little bit of a different spin on it and adds a little bit of, of unique commentary that you don't find in some of the others, but the heart of it is still the same. And, I mean, there, this is one of those, like, those stories in the Bible that really doesn't need an introduction because it, it speaks for itself. We've even if you don't know the Bible, you've kind of heard this before or some iteration of this before, just in how uh, how, how, how Christ worked um, during this, this festival. Uh, around the time of this festival, group was following Jesus, large crowd following Jesus. First time we really read about a large crowd coming and following Jesus, um, which is partially why this is one of those included elements in all four Gospels, because this is like the crux. This is the pivot point of Jesus's ministry, uh, where it hits, I want to say, it, we're, it's peak. Now, the unique part of that is the ministry 
hits its peak from a number standpoint, but the aspect of Jesus's ministry is still on an upward trajectory. Like there's still so much more that needs to happen in order for uh, for humanity to be reconciled. But but Jesus is out. They're kind of in a, a place that's somewhat segregated from uh, the local towns and local cities. And they're in the, the basin of Galilee, so right around the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus, um, it's starting to get dark. Jesus is like, hey, uh, we got this incredible crowd here. We need to feed them. I think this is where the Baptists get that whole thing. Like, it, we, ain't, we ain't meeting if we ain't eating, right? They're like, I mean, Jesus did it all the time, right? So, so uh, uh, Jesus says to one of his disciples, yo, um, you've got to get bread for these people to eat. And, and Philip's like, um, yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, I don't know how that's possible. No, thank you. I can't help you with this. Um, he, he said it, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each person to have one bite. So, I mean, that gives you like the profound nature uh, one little caveat with this, too, is feeding of the 5,000 speaks of 5,000 men, men, and then their wives and children are along with them as well. So it's likely 10, 15, 20,000 people uh, that are around Jesus. And, and that, I that, don't know about anybody else's children, but my child eats a ton. Yeah. <laughs> More than an adult sometimes. Yeah. So <laughs> they're in this conundrum. Like, what do we do? And then Andrew's like, I don't have a solution, but here's this young, here's this boy that's got, they say it's a sack lunch. No boy is going to be walking around with five loaves of, of barley bread and two fish. Like, that's not what his lunch was. This was probably more for, like, something he was taking to his family, maybe he got somewhere, maybe something uh, that one of the families had that was there in their midst. And, uh, and then we see uh, Jesus says, yo, tell everybody to sit down. And it seems like a really odd request at this point. And he, uh, he prays over, he, he, uh, he prays over the food. He gives thanks for the food is what it says. Like, this isn't your, um, bless this food to my body, like, bless it to get me to my next meal, however you say that thing. <laughs> but um, this isn't like asking the food to bless and nourish them. This is just, thank you, Father, for providing this. And you'd imagine, like, the disciples are probably like, um, I think I don't your know, calculations Jesus, are off. But, yeah, did you miss that part? Whereas, like, there's, there's, like, there's 12 of us, and then there's, like, thousands of them, and there's only five loaves of barley bread, which means, like, barley bread would have been, like, poor man's bread. So ain't nobody want that. And these two fish that are probably salted or pickled. And Jesus is giving thanks for that. And then we're supposed to go out and feed 20,000 people. Okay, Jesus. Sure enough, they go out and they feed. And not only that, there was leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what, what, a, what a unique perspective on... Well, on, I love on, the fact that it was 12, like 12 baskets of leftovers. So that means all of the disciples had to go and get leftovers. So it was like, oh, no, you're getting the point of this. Like, yeah. you have no choice because you're going out and getting it. Like, yeah. Yeah. like <laughs> you're going to understand what happened. Yeah, it's it's a really awesome sign. And here's, here's I think, the, the piece that really fits so well into everything that we were talking about is that up until 
up up to this point and beyond this point, which which we could get to later on in uh, in chapter six. People are only following Jesus because of what he can do for them, right? Because of the signs, because of the wonders, because of the healing. Um, after this, on the heels of this, is because he's feeding them. So people are are nourishing their body, like eating. But Jesus is like, this isn't what this is all about. And then I love what happens later on is because, and then the people are like, well, give, give us a sign that you're this incredible prophet, like you're the son of God. Like, give us a sign. And I'd imagine Jesus like, how many signs do you need? <laughs> um, do you remember like five loaves, two fish? I mean, y'all ate. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. But give me another sign, Jesus. Like, mm. this time in the form of filet mignon. Show me that sign. Yes. So it's this heart issue, right? <laughs> where the people, where we want, we have this carnal, fleshy desire for all of the things, for our physical needs to not only be met, but to be... Uh, for us to be comfortable, because that's what we talk. That's what he talks about. Like everybody ate to their fill. I mean, they were fat and happy at this moment. Like, but no, don't even bring dessert around. Like we don't even want that. Don't bring the figgy pudding or whatever you eat in that region for dessert. Um, don't bring us the baklava. No, that's Greek. Oh, there's Greek influence. All right, I'm done. Um, <laughs> don't even bring that around because we're just so full. And all of this is meant to help people see that it's not our physical nature that really needs to be nurtured. It's our soul. Like, that's what the big deal is in all of this. And how this becomes the, the peak of Jesus' ministry is a bunch of people just going to reject that. Like, if, if that's what this is all about, Jesus, I don't want that. I just want you to feed me every day. I want you to be the king who destroys all of my enemies for me and feeds me every day. That's what I want. If you're not going to give me that, then I don't want what you have. Yeah. And that's the heart of where we're at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really is. And so I we mean, think it's, it's a new problem. It's something that happens over and over in, like the man and the quail <laughs> for the yeah. Israelites. Like, that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. This, God's this, providing me food every day where I don't have to work for it, and that's not good enough. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and this is meant for readers to, to look back on the, the exodus and the time in the desert. This is meant to be a direct recall to that moment in God's provision. How and far you've come away, from, how far they've fallen away from God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's meant to... I mean, how far they've not moved? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's not, it's not like we're falling further. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, like... Yeah. There's a whole reason why we need food pantries today. Hmm. I mean... It's because we still don't just trust God that's going to take care of things. And I know that some people, <laughs> that, that is them trusting God mm-hmm. to take care of things. But, I mean, if we trusted that, that even in, in what little that we have, which, I, I mean, we're, we're blessed, okay? We've, we've got more than what we need. Um, mm-hmm. But people in our, our situation, not, not just being thankful for what we have enough, like if if everyone in our situation was that thankful for for what they had everybody wouldn't need a food pantry because mm. they just share their food because mm. 
they were thankful enough for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we, as as a world, as a society, as humans, are still in that same boat mm-hmm. that's been displayed for us two times before or more. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I. It, it. It's crazy because this is one of those texts that it's. It's awesome, but it's simple. I mean, it's so incredibly simple. Like, I'm, I'm wondering, how am I going to preach for 30 minutes on this on Sunday? Because it's so simple. Well, that could be that could be the blessing you give people, is that it's short and we can go to lunch early. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I wouldn't have done maybe. that, man. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's what we should do. I want you guys... Or you could preach twice as long. <laughs> I want you guys to go out, and instead of... Uh, if you're going to lunch or wherever you're going, I want you to invite somebody and buy their meal. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That'd be great, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I want you to wait at Culver's. That could be a challenge, you know. Uh, yeah. Yep. Could be. An interesting, because we were talking about like the food pantries and stuff like that, and talking about the generations' difference and stuff is, like, you don't see any of the people doing anything to help themselves. They weren't seeking out food. They were just following Jesus they weren't doing anything mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was an expectation because like mm-hmm. there is nothing written about like they were expecting themselves to be fed but from volunteering at a food pantry and from talking to my husband who works at a food pantry I see especially my generation our generation doesn't volunteer at those things most of the generations that do yeah. are older mm. yeah. so when we were like talking about Gen X older. like we're like, talking who was before them? Boomers. boomers. Yeah. Boomers are who we're seeing working in mean, some at the food banks of, and stuff. Some of them are Gen X, but yeah. a lot of the volunteers that run those things are, are boomers. So mm-hmm. when we were talking earlier, I've been this has been going through my mind this whole entire time about you know the political stuff and if you know somebody came out with world hunger hunger like plans to cure world hunger, I don't know that they care as much because they're not helping in their own communities. They're not doing stuff in their own communities to help the people that are hungry. Yeah, it could just be. And it and it just mm, all for show. Yeah. Status of, of yeah, or it could be unless caring. unless I have to give some of my time or some of my effort into it. I mean, people are willing to put their maybe put their money into it, but not necessarily their time and effort into well, it. Well, I mean, I'm going to disagree with that, and I'm only going to. And the reason I'm going to is because when you're talking boomers now, a lot of those guys are retired. Or right. getting close to retirement. Yeah, there, there's um, a there's a fair amount of that because when's when is volunteer need happening? It's during the day, mm-hmm. during work hours. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the you know and. But I can't tell you how many young families co- are f- people with that are our generation, mine and Derek's generation, are showing up to are them. showing up to them. So they're not working. Mm. Right. And they're showing up, but they're not volunteering. A lot of oh. the volunteers that I know, they need the food or they're getting food because they need it, but they're also willing to volunteer. Mm-hmm. There's no of our generation doing that that I have seen. Okay. Yeah. Even, it would, it even would be... and I understand what you mean. A lot of them are retired, but a lot of them, actually, a lot of the ladies that I work with here on Thursdays, they're not retired. They have jobs. And they, this is like their other part-time job, basically, right. is volunteering. Right. And you don't, and I mean, you don't see that in schools. Like, if you think of who volunteers at schools and stuff like that, it's either, it's either moms that don't have like stay-at-home moms or older people. Mm. 
like but in just in volunteerism yeah. and activism like i would love to see like a breakdown of hours of like volunteer hours that are taking place like which generation does the most mm-hmm. and obviously i know that old the right tired people have more time but like put your money where your or you know put your time where your mouth is if like you think that you need to solve all these problems and stuff then do something about it don't don't sit on your butt and not do anything mm. and that's what these i mean that's what i mean these people that are following jesus did like they were like oh we got something out of this mm. we don't have to do anything so that's the way that i'm gonna go yeah, the, the only reason that they were there was to have their 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 desires met yeah it wasn't to f- genuinely follow christ yeah it was to just have their desires met and then yeah, like I wonder what was going through their mind because Jesus obviously recognized it, but he recognized it for a purpose. Like yeah. he recognized it because he's going to take this this moment and make it something profound um, that that points back, that becomes fulfillment of of prophetic uh, of <laughs> prophecy. <laughs> uh, so there's there's some reason behind why Jesus does what he does, but. Yeah, no one else was taking the initiative of being like, all right, we're going to, we got to roll out. Like, it's dinner time, got my kids here, got to feed them something. Um, and if they were carrying their snacks around, they weren't like, Jesus, Jesus, I got a protein bar. Can you, <laughs> you want to pray over this too? <laughs> like, they, they weren't in that situation either. They weren't offering up what they had. Are we making a lot of assumptions here, though? Probably. Okay. All right. Well, but any way you slice it, five loaves of bread and two fish don't make 12 baskets of food at the end. Right. No, I, yeah, so it like, doesn't feed, feed 20,000 people and make... Well, make even, another... if, even if, like, half of them had some food and they started sharing because of it, yeah. five loaves of bread and two fish does not make 12 baskets. It yeah. just doesn't. Yeah. So there was an obvious miracle that happened. Yeah. I mean within it like you know what i mean like i don't know what assumptions you're you're talking no about. no no. i mean we're, we're trying to get into the we're trying to get into the heads of the people out there and and what they were either going through not going through what they had what they didn't have uh, you know we're even assuming that they were there to get some kind of personal need met but there's nothing in the bible that that points to that at least I well, I think it's pretty safe to see that because okay. you have um, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he'd performed by healing the sick, right? So that's how John intros. And then if you want to flip all the way ahead and you start you start the whole discourse where that Jesus having talking about him as the bread of life. Um, I mean, he he calls him out. He says, "You weren't looking for me when." Okay, so another miracle happens in between this. Uh, which is Jesus walking on water, but he goes on to say, "Very true, I tell you, you weren't looking for you were looking for me not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. They wanted breakfast, right? Uh, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Uh, for on him God the Father has placed uh, his seal of approval." So you get this pretty big proclamation that Jesus makes. And you recognize that. And then, I mean, you continue on through that. You read about how the people are grumbling and how they're not happy. And then ultimately how it says many disciples, they turn from Jesus and leave. Um, and he even goes so far as to ask his crew, um, do you want to leave too? He says, do you not want to leave 
do you not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter looks at him and says, like, where do we go? You have all the words of eternal life. Um, everything that you've said has come, has, we've come to believe. Um, and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So, I mean, like, this really cool proclamation that, that, uh, that, that Peter makes at that point, too. So, you know that a bulk of this crowd, well, it kind of dwindled a little bit because not everybody got in boats and, and went all the way to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, even though it's not huge. Um, so those who had boats, they went and they followed. And then you find that whatever that group was, was like, nah, I'm out. Like, this sounds way too complicated, way too hard. Like, this whole, like, eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood, like, I'm pretty sure I don't want any part of that. Yeah, right. So I'm not going to trust in what he's telling me to do. I'm just going to go look for another free meal somewhere else. Okay. Which is crazy because okay. he's been talking in parables this whole time, right? Yeah. Like, he's been talking in parables and talking in parables and talking in parables. And then he's like, and I'll tell you what, if you, you know, if, if, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can't get in. Right. Like, everything else has been in parable. Like, you know, you're not, they, I, I don't understand the whole, <laughs> the, the disconnect, you know? I mean, we're looking back on it, too. We're not in the situation. Yeah. Right. But... I don't know. I always thought that was so well, weird. Like, and I think an interesting part of the story is the end of it. Like after it says in verse er, in chapter six, verse fourteen, after the people saw the signs Jesus performed, they began to say, "Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world." Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by mm-hmm. force, withdrew again t- to a mountain by himself. Right. Like they were coming to make them because he had satisfied one of their needs, and right. it's like that's how many generations of rulers became rulers or had good rules is because they were feeding people and taking care of people on the surface Mm -hmm. but not doing anything to change anything and that's why Pilate was like i don't find any guilt in this dude like every time he Mm -hmm. turned around there was plenty of people Mm -hmm. ready to start a rebellion Mm -hmm. and yet he actively pushed away from it i mean i know that it doesn't necessarily say that actively there but that had to have been part of his his thought process was like he had every dude, opportunity all of, these, to. all of these accusations like he had every opportunity under my jurisdiction and they were the ones worried about rebellions right yeah. they they were the ones worried about a rebellion not the jewish leaders like yeah. it was it was the romans that were worried about a rebellion mm. yeah and so well and at the the at the at, during the time of passover when pilate was doing the whole release a prisoner thing barabbas was an insurrectionist right. like the the dude not only was a thorn in the side of the romans but that thorn in the side of the romans becomes hard times for the, the people who are following him too or the jews i mean mm-hmm. presumably so so you've got you've got this guy who is an active insurrectionist and then you've got jesus who's done nothing but heal and give and I mean he's rebuked a lot of people. He did turn over some tables and fashion a, a whip and which is awesome. But, but that was all outside of of Roman right, territory. Right. You know, right. Like, as far as like what yeah. they cared. Right. right. You know, like they, they didn't care if you're throwing kill your own people, you know, like that yeah. kind of mentality, you yeah. know. Uh, yeah. That, so that way we don't have to. <laughs> right. Jesus didn't kill anybody, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like when you're doing it to your own people, most people don't care. It's whenever you start 
dealing with things outside of it that people start caring. Right? Yeah. So, but yeah, so of course they didn't. The Romans were like, yeah, go ahead and throw over tables. Like, yeah. we, we'd have liked to have done that a couple of times, yeah. you know? Like, it's your just temple. Just for the fun of it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's really cool thought that way, and the people wanted Jesus to be their king, for their own physical needs to be satisfied because they they knew that um, there would be political like he had the political influence at that point, right? You've got to think about that. If you've got twenty thousand ish people in a region in the region of Galilee, and they're already Tiberius is where Herod Antipas took up. And, and built his, his stronghold. Like, that's how this is even introed. It talks about the, uh, the Sea of Tiberias. So you've got, like, the capital city in the region where the Herod, the king, is. And, I mean, what kind of show of authority would that have been if Jesus would have rolled in on the palace, wrapped on the palace door and been like, um, this is mine now, right? Who's he going to stand up to? There's 20,000 people there, like... I, I, I'd imagine he would... And if he was going, he could have uh, gathered more people to his cause if yeah. he wanted to. Like, yeah. Right, if he was actively trying, trying to, to, yeah. to rally people. Rally yeah. people. Yep. That wasn't his point. I, I just don't know if I, I buy into it. I, I don't know if I buy into that. You don't buy into that? What? Uh, I mean, Jesus... Yeah. I'm going to try to formulate this argument here. So Do um, it. Um, Somebody has to. Um, He's already on my side, so it's got to be you. <laughs> so, I mean, we're making, again, I, I have to go back to saying we're making a lot of assumptions here about the people's mindset and that kind of thing. I mean, look at look at today in, in, in the two-party system that we have, right? Mm-hmm. We have whatever party is in power, we have the other party who's rabble-rousing the people up mm-hmm. to vote out the party that's in power mm-hmm. right so what we're saying what we had uh, and i can only make a lot of assumptions myself mm-hmm. so i you know and i'm not near the bible scholar probably either one of you two are so i may be completely off base but the jewish leaders at the time the religious leaders at the time mm-hmm. were stirring up these people mm-hmm. against following jesus mm-hmm. so when we're talking about him going up to a palace and knocking on the door and it saying wasn't that working. that's but the it, problem it was working enough to get him crucified yeah the jewish elites were the ones that crucified him mm-hmm. with they the back the with with the backing of the people that were in in the because temple he was at the already time in jail i mean like that's the thing like jesus did not ever push Follow me, and we will overturn, overturn mm-hmm. things. If he had led but, like that, hold on, it would have been a whole other. Ball but game. the people assumed that was mm-hmm. was going to ha- was yes. going to happen. The religious elites for sure did. That's what the assumption was here, right? Um. Okay. So That's I- what the assumption in this in this interaction when it talks about the people were going to make Jesus Jesus king. Um, we're just saying that right it's before four, Jesus fourteen, walks yeah, yeah, six fourteen. Uh, says, yeah, six too 14. far. Oh no, back this way. There it is. Uh, it says Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again uh, to a mountain by himself. They were working to force him into that leadership role. Okay. Like it wouldn't have been too crazy for them to roll up to Herod's palace and be like. This guy's the king. We just made him the king. Not to mention the whole birth story of Jesus is is uh, 
the Jewish king killing a bunch of babies to to an under so that he didn't have to give up his kingdom. Right, Herod the Great. I mean, that's the whole, that was the whole kickoff to all of this. And now Jesus is coming along like, they didn't, the, the reason the elites were like, oh, we don't want to, we don't want him to be, you know, this is because that would change everything that they've worked to be in. And the people, knowing the scripture, I mean, the people have been told the scripture handed down, you know, or whatever, for forever. I would say they're like, okay, this guy's got all of these signs, all of these things. He's at least a prophet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and not to mention the prophets, there was uh, John the Baptist talking about him coming and everything else but okay so let's just assume that they they at at this point that they accepted him as a prophet the jews don't have a real great history with their prophets you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) well that's true yeah Yeah. that's they they don't have a real great history a lot they had how many years to forget that 500 600 years of silence yeah (laughs) but but they were still reading those scriptures right Mm -hmm. they were still being taught all of that within their within their learned places. I'm going to yeah. use a word here. Um, <laughs> so they didn't have a real great history with their with their prophets, and that's even exasperated exasperated in Jesus's life. Because if they assumed that he was some kind of prophet or some kind of Messiah, and at the first time of trouble, everybody bailed on him, I still don't buy the fact that they were going to just run up to these palaces and at some but point knock on the door. They didn't, and, and, I mean, the people that bailed on him were the were a few. Later on, right, the the couple thousand or whatever that it talks about in what seven or eight, mm-hmm. um, and then the disciples, right, mm-hmm. like his closest people were bailed on him, right, but at no point in time was he ever trying to be that physically this world strong leader. Yeah, and if he was, it, things would have been approached differently, and they wouldn't probably have bailed on him. Do you know what I mean? Like, there wouldn't have been a reason to bail on him if if he had approached it as a, I'm coming to be your physical king right here, right now, in the way that you all expected it, mm-hmm. right? But he didn't. He he withdrew. He, he at no point in time wanted to be a part of that rousing of the rebels, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he did not want to be a part of the rebel alliance. But then... But, but, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean, though. Like seriously, like, but, they didn't but want we're to making throw, overthrow anything. Tell me I'm wrong. I, I really want Nick to really tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, but, shut up, because I've been telling you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> You've been telling me ever since I've been going to this church. Um, anyway, because I'm a bass player. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, again, we we. So you're saying that if his approach was, I am going to be a leader, he would have been able to muster up the peasants to overthrow the, the sitting government. Is that he what already had right here? He reduced his numbers simply, in, in, intentionally. Mm-hmm. He reduced the numbers intentionally. Oh. So had he poured into them even more, especially with the power of God, mm-hmm. right? Like, he could have... Even with the power to multiply bread and and fish, that shows at least the power to satisfy needs, right? Mm -hmm. He can heal. He can feed us. Like, what more do we actually need? We're going to fight for this guy. Like, but he kept pulling away from them. And anytime, if if people just keep pulling away, like, 
you're going to be like, oh, well, he doesn't want anything to do with this. You know, like, or the actual things that he's teaching, like the whole vampiric feel mm-hmm. in, in this whole eat my flesh, drink my blood. Like, people are like, I don't want nothing to do with that. That's weird. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he is saying things and doing things that make people go, I don't know. And he's doing it intentionally because he knows their hearts, right? Like, he knows that they are pushing towards that mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's not what he came for. And he says it multiple times that he's he didn't come to be mm-hmm. but for forever, you know? So the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. What, what's interesting, in, in especially in John's gospel, it's most, it's most prominent, is the theme of authority that comes and manifests itself. And you find the authority that Jesus has revealed itself over every element and aspect of life and the world and, um, and humanity, for that matter, as well. I mean, even at the end, uh, when, uh, when Pontius Pilate is trying him, he says, you know, I've got the authority to release you. And Jesus is like, you don't have any authority over me. Only God in heaven has authority over me, and he's the one that's given you authority. And Pilate was probably like, whatever, dude, just go on and do your thing. Um, but you find the theme of authority, and then you find the call of the disciples, the building of a ministry, only to have all of the, all of these folks kind of fall away from Jesus, up into and including his disciples abandoning him, Peter abandoning him, who said, I will be with you unto death. And so you've got all of that happening, and yet you find Jesus's greatest act of authority still hasn't even manifested itself yet. It doesn't manifest itself until he he's raises from from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see all of that in light of those themes of authority that are showing themselves, and John amplifying the authority that Jesus has, and also showing the great restraint that he has to show that him as the Messiah, the promised Messiah, the Old Testament prophet, uh, pronounced Messiah, not the lied about Messiah that was coming. Every, every, every leader announced themselves as we're the Messiah, we're the Messiah, we're the Messiah, we're the Messiah. You know, it's why you don't find Jesus tell, tell other people I'm the Messiah, right? Because that was worn out. That was played out. Like right. ain't no room for that anymore. So you have, um, Jesus showing it as opposed to saying it. And I, I mean, absolutely, like this is a powder keg. At any moment, you feel like it could blow up. And humanity's expectation was that if Jesus was the Messiah with the authority that he had and the following that he had garnered, that he was going to oust the Roman Empire. That's what they were waiting for. That's mm-hmm. what they wanted. And they didn't want their souls to be saved. They wanted to be free people. They didn't recognize the true freedom comes when your soul's saved, not because of the community you live in, right. not because of the ruler that you have. I have no doubt. I mean, I, I have no doubt that, that Jesus could have did any and everything that you just said. Mm-hmm. My problem is with the people. Mm-hmm. My, my issue is with the followers. Because at the first sign of trouble, at the first sign of any kind of pressure down on them, they left. Mm-hmm. Where was that? They what, left. What, like, which part? Because they didn't leave until Jesus caused them to leave. Right. Except for the 12 disciples. No, no. They bailed out. Everybody bailed on him when he was arrested. Correct? Yep. So at the first sign of pressure, the people bailed. Right. 
this closest people. No. He was left alone, if I'm not mistaken. No, his closest people were the ones that bailed on him when he got arrested. No, every... I'm, I'm deferring to our resident expert. <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, it was the closest people I, I that were left. I see what you're saying, and I see where you're coming nobody, from. Nobody so, came... You're saying nobody came... Like, it might have been the 12 that was with him, but nobody else came up to defend him. Nobody. Yeah. As far That's as I know, there was... He already pushed them all away right. at this point. He had already caused them all to leave and at, at that point of being arrested. He didn't have that many. And but again, you're making the assumption that he pushed everybody away and nobody was around that would, that would have, have, have come up. and uh, Well, I mean, it's evident that nobody Dude, came around. Peter cut a guy's ear off for it. Like, it wasn't like a, a just, come on. I mean, Peter was ready to fight that's to one, his own death. That's one guy. One guy. Well, I'm talking about okay, a population. But it, was, it, was his, it was his best friend. And I'm saying the population already been pushed away. But the 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 population but he even, had already kept withdrawing. But he, okay, so but but he had made himself seem weird in some of the way he he was saying things. Some of the things like the the rich man, right? I'm not giving up all my riches. Like mm-hmm. like he had already made his his ministry and him feel weird to the average person. Mm-hmm. That of course they're not going to come at that point. Now, had he had he decided when he fed the five thousand to keep on building him, that would have been a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I would say there's even something even more substantial um, that maybe is being overlooked with what happens in Jerusalem when he goes back in for the final time, because you've got you've got people who are calling him the Messiah as he's making his way in. Right? I mean, there is a grand gesture of welcoming this guy in and then he is he's not arrested in broad daylight and jesus even even makes that a point like yeah i was walking around the temple courts like i was hanging out like i was all around the this place you could have arrested me at any time okay they wait till they cover a night right right and they wait till jesus is by himself yeah that's actually a good point and it's really cool because if you if you stand in the Garden of Gethsemane, likely where Jesus would have been hanging out, you can watch. You could see under the cover of night the gate, likely, that this whole, the whole crew would have come out. You would have watched their torches. And Jesus would have had all the time in the world to be like, hey, guys, you realize they're coming for us, right? Like, and he was on the road out of town. Like, right. That he could have got, out, got to Bethany quick um, in the amount of time that it would have taken the crew to get there. But he, he gave over that authority. That's the meekness. Like, he, he allowed them to take him captive. And then what happens? The people turn on him because he's in prison. That's not the way this Messiah thing's supposed to play out. Right. He, this is supposed to play out. He's supposed to be sitting on the throne, right? He's not supposed to be. So, oh, he's not really the Messiah. Well, we don't need him anymore, right? So you see the hearts of the people immediately begin to turn around I mean, I think if it was day one of Passion Week and Jesus would have rolled right up to, to the, uh, the palace or in the temple courts and stuck his flag in the ground and said, hey, you know that whole Messiah talk? I'm the guy. Like, and you want, like, I'll do the miracle right now. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'll, I'll just show off whatever you want to do. Like, we can make this thing happen. All of Jerusalem, they would have overthrown Pilate. Like, you've got to imagine that that's the, what would have happened outside of, like, the Jewish leaders who were 
uh, have their heart hard their hearts hardened mm-hmm. um but you, you see the way it all plays out and you look at it from from that that take a step back perspective and yeah i mean you're you're both right in what you're arguing there um but this played out the way it did so that there wasn't a big scene and there wasn't this big uprising because the Romans and the Jewish leaders, they were kind of working in cahoots, but they were incredibly smart. They knew if that happened in daylight hours in the middle of the temple court or while Jesus was doing something incredible, there would have been an uprising in that city. And, And if you look at history, if you go outside of the text and start looking at history, you'll see where Pilate has had issues with uprisings and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And the, and the Roman government in Rome was basically all over this guy trying mm-hmm. to say, you know what, if you can't, if you can't, if you take, can't, care if you can't take care of it, mm-hmm. we'll get somebody who can. Yep, yep. And by the way, we'll probably kill you in the process. Yep, yep. You know? Not probably, though. <laughs> <laughs> and same, same token, right? I know it reads thieves that in the, the, the text that we typically read, but the two guys that were were crucified on either side of Jesus, they were insurrectionists as well. Yep. Like, they were guys that were causing riots, and Pilate was, was putting his foot in the ground, saying, we're not going to have any of that as long as I'm in charge. Right. No. Good point. Yep. Bravo. Yeah. All right. It all comes back around. Yeah. So, in everything we've talked about today, I, I think the heart of the matter is the heart. I mean, that's really what it comes down to when we talk about our perspective on generational perspective, the things we want, the things we desire, and the way we live it out. It's all a matter of the heart. And whether it's 2,000 years ago or whether it's 2022, humanity's not changed. We all have this desire for comfort. We all have this desire for our, our physical needs to be not only satisfied, but, but to go beyond that, that temporary a bit of physical satisfaction, that carnal desire that we have. And the the truth remains that Jesus is the only thing that brings true satisfaction. He's the only one that's going to to make us realize, wow, all this credit card debt or all this crazy way I've been living, like, this is dumb. There's something better for me out there. Um, and it's the same thing that that these folks needed to come to term with as well and refuse to so there is a better way and it's the way that satisfies not just the 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 finite here today needs that we have but the eternal like i need my soul to be saved like that is what absolutely needs to be nourished and the only way that comes is through the bread of life and that's jesus awesome well, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. Hey, let us know what you think. Um, we've covered a lot of ground today, and we've been kind of well, more or less all over the place. Uh, but write us. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to talk about or what you want us to talk about. And, uh, man, if you've, got, if you've got any questions about, you know, how do I know Jesus? How do I come to a saving grace? Reach out. Uh, the truth response at gmail.com the truth response at gmail.com thanks for inviting us in folks uh we look forward to getting together uh once again 
Hey, thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and give us a like on iTunes and Spotify so that you will never miss a show. And while you're at it, check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and make sure you tell your friends about this show. You don't want them to miss out on the truth because we are all about the truth here. Thanks for joining us this week and God bless.